and welcome to another fabulous episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, here with only Jeremy Gregory this week. <laughs> hey guys. Uh, Billy is on vacation, uh, so instead of waiting, we decided to call an audible. Uh, I know last episode we said we would be talking about... Uh, so we'll be talking about silent debuggers for the TurboGrafx-16, and we are going to cover that next episode. Uh, but this episode, as I posted on Twitter, uh, we're going to go ahead and cover Kirby's Superstar for the Super Nintendo, uh, just because it's something we wanted to talk about. We've never covered a Kirby, but until we talk about that, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Well, um, I actually kind of started playing ukulele. And I know I mentioned that probably like two years ago when I was like, this is one of my most look forward to games of 2017 and 2017 happened and I, I never actually played it. There were so many bad things said about it and, and the price was kind of a little bit more than what I wanted to pay for it. So I just kind of held off on it and uh, it was on sale over, over the holidays on, on PlayStation, got it for like 11 bucks and finally, finally within like the last week decided to play it. Um, if you want to we could probably talk about this after the what after the main game because I got more than enough to say about goddamn ukulele. Um, but other than that, uh, I, I actually kind of really got into Dark Souls three out of nowhere. I just <laughs> I, I finally just started playing it and like seriously sat down to play it, and I I, I think I'm still kind of on the fence about that game. I don't know if I've just if I'm just banging my head against the wall over and over again. Or what, but I have just not quite broke through. I finally started a warrior, and I'm doing much better with that class. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I've just been so used to Bloodborne that I can't go back to Dark Souls for some reason. So I'm trying my best. I, I've beat the first boss, the first actual boss, not the you know the one that kind of starts at the beginning of the game, uh, with the warrior, and I'm slowly making my way through, having a lot more fun than I did before, but. Uh, still kind of hitting the same walls as I did uh, before with that game. Uh, well, first off, thank you for trying a game that I talked about for the first 100 episodes of the podcast. <laughs> but the So, I, I mean, I can understand that situation, though. When I f played the first Dark Souls, I did something similar. I, I picked kind of a, a mixed class and then died a bunch and didn't really get it. I had to go back to a regular sword and shield fighter to to get through the first game, but I loved it. And then when I played... Dark Souls 2, I said, well, since I went so heavy melee with the first game, I'll go for a caster uh, base. But even then, I kind of went back and ended up just making a, a sword and shield warrior that casts spells sometimes. Uh, it was only until Dark Souls 3 that I really started playing more with a, with some some actual magic users, uh, Pyromancer main, uh, when I started. So I, I can see the frustration, but I, I guess I'm the opposite, because for me, I loved the Dark Souls games, and I, I have Bloodborne, and I tried it, and I tried to get into it, and I keep hitting the same kind of walls. Like, I, I got uh, more past the first boss, but I, I'm probably six or seven bosses in, and I just I cannot beat them. And I don't know what the problem is. I, I don't know if it's that I'm trying to play too conservatively because I'm used to Dark Souls, but I just, I just don't seem to be doing nearly enough damage, and I don't think it's upgrading. I think it's just my play style. It's, it, Bloodborne's really weird, and I, I definitely hit that wall with Bloodborne. Um, just smashing my head up against it over and over. And at some point, it finally, it, I, I got it. I found a weapon that I really liked. I was able to use it. Um, and I didn't completely gimp out my character from the beginning. I actually completely started over. But uh, when it did click, I just kind of rolled through that game at some point. Like, I just literally, it, the first boss, I think I died more on 
than the entire rest of the game. And it's just because I, you know, it's it's a roll heavy game. You, there's a shield in it, but it's like don't use the shield. So I was like, all right, fine, I won't use the shield. So you are basically just rolling everywhere in that game, and until you master that roll and just the the frames of animation that it gives you to basically be invincible when you do that roll, then there's no way that you can actually start that game and make it way. And it's actually kind of cool right now because it's um it's the free game on uh, PlayStation Plus this month. And everyone's getting back into it, and it's it's fun to see everyone just hitting that same wall and being like, I just can't get past this. You know, I can't just roll. I get hit every time. It's like, no, you can, but you just got to learn how to do it. And, and I'm definitely going to get back into it. It's it's not a game I've given up on or said I won't like it. I just, I'm playing too many other things to go back to Bloodborne. But yes, now that it's the free, one of the free PlayStation Plus games, I should focus on that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I've been still neck deep in monster hunter world i i got finally through the next kind of uh stopping point that it was holding me up for a while uh, this past week with the the help of a friend and so i'm going to continue to play that but the uh, one of the other playstation plus games this month is muddy number no. nine uh, which was a lot like ukulele kind of a game a lot of people looked really forward to and then it came out to some pretty uh, mild reviews slash hatred. So uh, I think that would be interesting to talk about both of those at the end of the episode. Uh, but the other game that I've been playing again is I restarted for the third time Persona 4 Golden. And <laughs> I, I think, honestly, there's there's not many times since you know the Nintendo era that I've been able to say, here's a game I will play for the rest of my life, but I think Persona 4 may be in that bracket. Like, I, it doesn't matter how many times... I mean... I've started it a bunch of times, but I finished it two times, and this is the first time I've actually taken an old save and you know done like the the new game plus, so you start with your old stuff again. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why that game hits me the way it does because I, I love Persona Five and I thought it was great, but it's not as good as Persona Four Golden, and it, and Persona Three was fun. Uh, obviously, it's it's the earlier game, so it's missing some things that Persona Four perfected, but still just didn't grab me the same way even though they're they all have very similar combats and and very similar themes persona 4 it just locks me in like i'll start playing it and days will go by and i'll have missed i didn't go to my house i haven't talked to anybody it's so good and uh, and so i'm playing that as well again but uh but yeah i'd love to talk about uh ukulele and mighty number nine after we talk about this week's game kirby superstar for the super nintendo Did you ever play this game? Have you ever even played a Kirby game before? This is something I was unaware that I had not really played a Kirby game before. I I did not have it on Game Boy. The first one was on Game Boy, and then it was on the the regular Nintendo. But the Nintendo game came out at the ass end of the NES. So it wasn't one that I had played because I had already gotten, you know, the TurboGrafx and a Super Nintendo and and had moved on from the Nintendo as a game that a system that I would buy $60 $60 games for. So I had never played a Kirby game, and I didn't realize until 
you know, you said, oh, let's play Kirby Superstar. And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I started playing. I was like, you know, I've never really played any of these. I- I've played enough of the Nintendo one because my kids, it was one of the games I got for uh, a virtual console download. And my kids play it. But I've never really played a Kirby game. And I don't know why, generally, I, that I've avoided this I mean, franchise. I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I really never played uh, seriously, I, I did play the NES version uh, when my cousin rented it because it did kind of come out way late in the NES lifespan. I had moved on to the Super Nintendo, did care any about, you know, those children's games on, on in the NES, especially a, a little pink round guy. I, you know, I didn't even give it a chance. And uh, what I did play, I thought it was fun, but it, it didn't really grab me. And, and so that's kind of why I was never, I was never the biggest Kirby fan and I never, uh, when I saw this on the at the video store, I, n- I never touched it. I never rented it. Um, and one of those reasons, I, I probably would have, but reading the back of the box, it always just came off as just being a bunch of mini games. Like it didn't really make itself clear what it was. So I just kind of passed over and was like, well, maybe when a real Kirby game comes out down the road, I'll try that instead of this weird looking mini game collection that's that's sitting here. That's exactly what I was going to say. I, I, had, I mean, I wouldn't have played it when it was new because I played none of the other Kirby's, but this is on the Super NES Classic. And up until this point, it's one of the games I've never even started because it looks, I think it even says on the front, like eight in one or something. Like it's, yeah. it looks like it's a collection of mini games. And then when I started playing for this podcast, instead of picking the, uh, when you first log in, you can pick from six options. And there's like four big squares and then there's two tiny squares at the bottom right. And mm-hmm. so I picked one of those, and it's exactly what I was afraid the entire game was. <laughs> yeah, it's like a dumbass mini game yes. that I was like, "Yeah, I, I get how this is kind of neat, I guess, but why would you pay full price for this? I have no interest in this." So I, I was kind of down on the idea of this game even after starting it. But uh, but what I learned is, yes, they it shouldn't have been advertised this way. I, I don't know how else you could have necessarily explained this without just making it a regular Kirby game, because all the other you know the other Kirby games actually feel like they're a coherent game from the box, even though I, you know, they look like a kid's game. And I'm saying that as a person who was a kid and in <laughs> Nintendo, but it looked like, you know, baby's first Nintendo game. Right. Yeah. Uh, so th- this definitely looked like a collection of mini games, but. Uh, and also like the NES version, this came out very late in the Super NES lifespan. So I had, you know, I was basically moving on to other things. I had a 3DO for some fucking reason. And, you know, I'd been playing that and the PlayStation was literally right around the corner. So another Kirby game wasn't really doing it for me since I never really wanted to play one anyway. Well, and, and the other Kirby game on the Super NES Classic is like a, a racing game or something. It's it's some bizarre not yeah, yeah. Kirby game. So I was not excited about either of these Kirby games. But I have to say, I now that I've played it, uh, Kirby's kind of a neat character. He's yeah. He's got some unique uh, unique abilities, mainly his ability to, to transform, uh, that, that I think... And I know that's what they push, so it's not like they never shared this with anybody. I mean, I Kirby is a character on on Smash Brothers, and that's one of the things he does is he eats and swallows people. And uh, and for some reason, I I don't know why it it never it never clicked with me. But now that I've played it a little more, I feel like I really missed out on a character that I should have been paying more <laughs> attention to. So specifically, Kirby Superstar is not really a collection of mini games overall, but it's. Uh, kind of a, a collection of what would be normal levels with some side optional games built in. But in order to see the later levels, you have to have beaten the early ones uh, 
kind of like a a less interesting Mega Man level selection set, you know? I mean, you can start playing any of the first two story levels at any time, but you have to beat both of them to unlock the third story level. Um, the, the, the first story level is Spring Breeze. It's the one that looks the most like the Nintendo Kirby game, uh, that I, as I recall it. Um, it's actually basically a, a, a remake of that NES game. But way, way shorter. I mean, way it, shorter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's a remake, but it's, you know, it's, it's condensed quite a lot. And and Kirby generally is it's a 2D sort of platformer, but with a you know a, a screen that doesn't just scroll to the left and right, but also goes up and down. The levels are not Metroidvanias. It's not a huge giant interlocking map, but there are doorways that lead to other paths. And the idea basically is you you go through these levels to find doors to get to eventually a boss fight, uh, and that's a self-contained level. And then you get to go to the next uh, the next mission kind of thing. Uh, Kirby has, as I mentioned earlier, some neat abilities, aside from the ability to jump, which is uh, not exciting, because every every game has that. Um, if you push up once you jump, you actually puff yourself up full of air, and it allows you to float uh, and fly a little bit, awkwardly, but that's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. The other ability that Kirby has that, that's his... Oh, he can block, which I totally neglected to use for the first half of this game. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually that's pretty true for most games where I can block, uh, other than Dark Souls. Uh, but the, the other thing he can do is he sucks in air, and if there's an enemy near him, he'll suck in the enemy and eat him. Now, that allows you to do a couple different things. First off, you can just hit that same button, and you'll spit out like a star that does, does a fair amount of damage. Or you can push down on the pad, and depending on the enemy, it will either transform you into a new modified Kirby with new abilities, or it will do nothing and say like, "No, not a, not a character you can do anything with." But it still lets you eat him. Uh, if you take one of the, if you find one of the characters you can suck in that give you new abilities, which I'd say over half the characters you ran into do this, uh, it completely changes what Kirby can do to most levels. I mean, some of the some of the transformations let him fly in a more useful fashion. Uh, some of the most of the transformations give him a new attack, a projectile attack instead of just. Uh, the ability to to jump and suck things in and spit things back out again, uh, but they also change how he looks and they give him uh, some fairly neat looking outfits that he gets to switch into when he becomes these new characters. And there's a lot of them. It's not like it's you know we we had just covered uh, Magician Lord and and there are six transformations in the whole game and and generally in each level you might see one or two of these transformations. In a level of Kirby Superstar, Kirby probably can transform into like twenty different things. Oh yeah, I mean, there's just a it, just about every enemy has its own thing, and it is definitely not just like each enemy is a variation of another enemy. Uh, it's pretty much just a, a completely different a set of attacks that you get whenever you do swallow one of these uh, these enemies. Some of them, uh, I would say, way more useful <laughs> than others. Some of them just kind of seem like they're just there for for funsies. I don't know, like uh, the there's one that's basically a, a tire. Or something on a, on a wheel, and if you eat him and and transform into him, you become a wheel. And if the attack on that one is just to go super quick across the stage, and anything you hit, you basically just slam into. And that's kind of fun for the first couple of times you do it, but uh, it's not really anything that's that's worth it to hold on to that I saw anyway. Maybe there's just like a decent boss or something that you can use it on that that totally just you know, destroys them. But there were definitely some that I kind of accidentally changed into. And I was like, oh, damn it, this is not the one that I want it to be right now. But, you know, there's there's the other ones that are, are very useful. Like, of course, the knight, uh, when you get the sword, uh, the um, uh, the karate guy where you, Kirby turns into Ryu from Street Fighter. 
just the, you know, there's a ton of variety there, but it's all about kind of finding which ones you, you like the most. Well, yeah, they all seem to have a use. Even that, that wheel does do a lot of damage, it seems, when it slams into things. But the downside with that is it's kind of hard to control when you're using that power. So since it is a platformer, there are definitely parts where you will fall to your death. And so the last thing you want to do is shoot across the screen uh, uncontrollably. So that that has a definite limited use. Uh, there are a couple different versions that allow him to grow feathers and fly, and then he can actually move pretty fast in the air because otherwise Kirby's normal flying mode is a little bit slow and awkward. Uh, but mm. still pretty cool. Um, but yeah, they they seem to have a, a good mo- a good. Which I think he has a good mix of you know ranged abilities, melee abilities. One of my favorite melee abilities is he turns into like a a grappler, so he can do the he grabs enemies and throws them around the map. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. um, but but generally, it's just neat that you have all those abilities, and and all of them do have some uses. I don't think there's any that are full on intentional turds. I mean, maybe there's some you don't no, like, no. but there's not like. Uh, I guess the one I couldn't figure out the use for. Is there's one where he falls asleep, like you'll grab a guy and and you'll you'll <laughs> grab him. He looks like they have a sleeping cap on, and then you swallow them, and, and immediately Kirby just falls asleep and does nothing. And so unless there's something I've missed, uh, that that's that's the only kind of trick in the game. Like, hey, don't swallow everything, fool. There's sometimes you shouldn't do that. So I, I think that's the only purpose <laughs> of that. Uh, someone will probably let me know. In fact, that's the most damaging attack in the game somehow. But I couldn't figure out how to use it. Uh, there was at one point I got like I, I can't even remember what I swallowed, but I turned into a break dancer. And like he, he put on like the, you know, the, the bill cap and everything. And he was just like doing, he's like upside down spinning and just crazy shit. And I was just like, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on right now, but it, it, there is just, you can probably go a, a good amount of that game and still find new stuff to turn into later, you know, way late into the game. And they all at least are worth doing once or twice. Uh, oh, yeah. Most of them let you do, they, they transform you and you have unlimited attacks or unlimited uses of those abilities like for example when you get the the sword uh it looks like you turn it almost like kirby link you get a green cap and a mm-hmm. sword uh, but that has unlimited uses um the the there are some that you'll grab uh like there's a guy it looks like a microphone you swallow the microphone and you get like this or megaphone and you get this megaphone attack that only has three uses and it shows you on the screen you only have three uses of this ability but it hurts everything on the screen so it's kind of cool they have both uh, set number of use abilities along with the permanent transformations. Um, for the permanent transformations, the other thing Kirby can do, which I thought was extremely cool, is if you push the A button, I think it is, once you are turned into one of these other forms, you will actually spit that form out and it becomes its own helper guy. So if you grab the the sword and shield and then you, you spit it out, all of a sudden the character that you grabbed and swallowed to get that ability will show back up again and then be your partner. And you can always have a partner, one partner at a time. Uh, they do have their separate life bar. They do die fairly easily. But that means that at, at pretty much any time, you should be in some separate form and you should have a separate formed ally that follows you the whole time. I didn't yes. realize the ally ability was there. I don't know if that's in the earlier versions of, of these games because I was not, again, a Kirby fan. But that's super cool. I think it, that, No, it wasn't in, in any of the earlier ones. It, this was a brand new thing. And like when I accidentally did it, I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, come to find out, though, the, the game was actually designed around uh, co-op play. So that's kind of what what's what, what that's there for. A second player can pick up a controller and play that helper character if they want to. Otherwise, the AI will just have it run around and attack as best it can as best it can. And that's one of the things like I found it kind of weird when I first started playing. I wasn't using the helper. I was like, these enemies seem to take way more hits than the regular Kirby enemies. Usually it's just like one hit and they're gone. 
But, you know, this is they take a few hits in this one and it's it's designed around having another player so that they can get a few hits in as well. And everything just doesn't explode instantly when two players are playing. So it's the game is actually designed around having that helper character on the screen basically all the time. And if you don't, I mean, the game's still not very hard. But as soon as you put that helper character in there, computer controlled or not, you have a significant advantage over the rest of that game. At least through the bosses. I mean, some of the bosses make pretty short work of some of those helper characters, but at the same time, it's almost like it expects you to have them at all times. Yeah. Uh, and and one of the tricks you can do as you're playing is, it, let's say you have a helper character, and they get pretty hurt, and there's no way to really regenerate their life uh, easily. Instead of having to, to worry about them dying, you can actually just spit out the current version of the suit you have, and it'll put some icon on the ground, and that helper character will go and eat it, and all of a sudden they have a full new health bar as that separate character. So it's mm -hmm. almost like you can have a backup second character, uh, but then the downside is the character that you yourself are is probably terrible. So you, you're, you're going to be back to regular <laughs> Kirby, who, as far as I can tell, doesn't have too many attacks on his own. Uh, regular Kirby without any other abilities other than sucking things in, if you're fighting a character like a boss that you can't suck up immediately... The only attack you seem to have is once you fill yourself with air to fly, you can kind of spit it out as a puff and it does a tiny bit of damage. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you don't have a suit and you don't have a partner, uh, I don't know if there's a way to beat some of those bosses. I definitely couldn't figure out a good way to do it for the later ones. So if I lost my suits, it was kind of like, well, that's it. Uh, thankfully, Kirby does give you a large number of extra lives. And it oh, continues to yeah. put yeah, you right back at wherever you were uh, it, as a stage. It doesn't start you right at the spot you were at, but it's not like you go back six levels when you restart. Yeah, there's, uh, there's more than enough uh, one-ups and health power-ups scattered all over the place. Now, this, I, I don't know if this is more of a kid's game, but I mean, there's, it, there, it definitely does get challenging at parts, but I was just blowing through this game. Like, especially with a helper, you know, I don't know if you had a similar experience or not, but there were definitely times where, where I was kind of stuck on something. But for the most part, if I had my helper character out, there were more than enough one-ups and health power-ups, and I was able to keep my helper character alive for the most part because when you have full health, uh, and if you come close to your helper character, you'll kind of, like, give them a kiss or something and or a hug. It's really kind of awkward because you just kind of stop and you kiss them or something, <laughs> and, and their health, they, they get a little bit more health. So I was I was generally able to keep them alive and keep myself alive uh, with, without too much problem. I always thought these were kind of an introduction to gaming game. You know, I mean, the original Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers definitely w met that, but it still gets hard later on. This seems to kind of keep an easier difficulty level the whole way through. Yeah, uh, for an advanced game. But but that said, Kirby has a lot more moves than the standard Mario game did on the Nintendo. So it's it's kind of a neat game that introduces you to a lot of things other games do in some fa fashion or aspect, but still keeps it easy the whole way through. And I also don't know if it's kind of a if you pick the right character, the game is easier or harder. And is that kind of, you know, the way that Mega Man's built if you use the right powers on certain things it's supposed to be easy but you have to figure that out where this seems to be more they'll let you you know we want you to be whoever you want to be so you look cool but there are some that make it conveniently way easier so i don't I, again i don't know if the difficulty is easy because of the transformations or if it's just supposed to be easier i just know it makes it really entertaining you know if i'm playing a kid's game then it's usually just me falling asleep 
because it's just, you know, you're walking and, and jumping on dudes' heads and that's about it. But Kirby, there's generally stuff going on all the time. If you get bored with what you're doing, you can always just spit out what you're doing and try something else. There's always, it seems like a new way to attack each level and there's more than enough like secrets to kind of go around and find. So I never, even if it was easy, I, I never got bored playing it. Well, some of the games anyway. Well, I think the core the core levels of this game are all fairly interesting. The maps are big. Uh, the, there's a lot of secrets and, and second, third pathways to get to the end. All paths seem to lead to the boss. I don't think there was any point where I was stuck or felt like I couldn't find something. It seemed like if you find a door, eventually you'll find the right way out. Uh, but there were plenty of hidden rooms that give you other transformations or more one-ups or, or you know things that would help you on the way, more food that's what you use to heal yourself. But it, it didn't seem like they were mazes. It, it just seemed like there were a lot of different optional ways to get to point B. Yeah, it's it's definitely not. I, I wouldn't call it a maze at, at all. It's you do get the the other doors. Some of them are just kind of one off bonus rooms where you can find a power up or something like that. Um, but yeah, other times it's it, it's always going to lead you forward no matter where you go. So that's nice. So, I mean, if you're playing it for the first time, you see all these doors. Don't worry about getting lost or anything because you're always going to be making your way to the boss at the end. <laughs> When you're playing Kirby Superstar, the, the easiest of the, what I'm going to call story levels, uh, is Spring Breeze, which we already mentioned. It's kind of a, a remake, reimagining of the first Kirby, but as a much, much shorter condensed level. Uh, it'll teach you the basics. I had absolutely no problem on this first level, um, but pretty much it's a good introduction to what Kirby does and how the game is put together. Uh, the, the second level in the story mode is Dynablade. And that is a, a little bit harder. Uh, it actually gives you difficulty stars on these, like at the start of how hard each level is going to be. And uh, Spring Breeze got one star, and Dynablade got three stars. Uh, I guess out of five, although the later ones just show question marks, so I don't know what the point of that was. But, uh, but Dynablade's the second level. It's a little longer. It has a harder boss that's more interesting. Uh, and the level is definitely a little more complex, but still, again, find a door, exit the door, you'll get to the end. It's pretty straightforward. Um, did you have any problems with with these earlier levels at all? Uh, no, no, I, I really didn't. Like, I this was kind of the point where I was questioning, just like, am I just going to completely blow through this without really dying at all, or or having to continue? Because I, there was one point point in in Dino Blade where I was, I think it was like the third level, and there's only like four levels out in in Dino Blade besides a couple that are uh, bonus levels. You do get a map screen on this one that kind of goes around, but. It, it's four kind of largest, largest levels. Uh, you know, you've got a mid, a mini boss in them and you got a, a main boss. There was one boss. It was the, the whale. It took me several tries to take him down. And that was the one that <laughs> I think the one thing in this t entire game that actually I got stuck on. I don't remember the whale specifically, which means I didn't have too many problems with it. Uh, I will also 
admit I have not finished this game fully. Uh, I got fairly far, uh, definitely far enough to uh, to discuss it. But uh, well, I'll get into why. I, I you know, I, I don't want I don't want to sit here and say like I, it might have been in another game. <laughs> All of these games and and you know the, the the story games kind of blend together for me in this one. So it might not have been in Dynablade, but I, I definitely know Dynablade was a little bit harder to get through. So if I'm saying the whale and it's not in Dynablade, it's definitely in one of the other story missions, and and that was the one that really got on my nerves. Well, it, so of the the you know when you start the game, there are eight shown missions, but you can only actually play six of them at first. Uh, Spring Breeze and Dynablade, which we've already discussed, which seem to be the actual story missions uh then there's one called gourmet race uh gourmet race oh. is where you as kirby have to race against uh what the hell is that bad guy's name in this king dd oh yeah against king ddd and again i only know these characters from smash brothers really uh so <laughs> but but the race against them and the idea is you know it's a fairly short map uh that has a bunch of food all over the place and whoever gets to the end first and gets the most food, wins. It's three waves, and after all three waves, whoever's got the most points wins the race. It's pretty straightforward. However, I didn't realize when I played... Because I, I, you know, I tried a little bit of all six games before I went back and really finished any of them. And so I couldn't figure out on this, on this race how you ever beat King DDD, because <laughs> he's so much faster than you. And again, yeah. much like how I didn't use the block in this game until the very end of me playing it, uh, I didn't know Kirby could run. But if you yeah, hit if you hit to the neither. side twice, Kirby runs pretty fast. Uh, and, and in this game, until the third wave, there are no transformations because there's no enemies. Um, but if you do the run, and and there's definitely times where it expects you to jump or to hit a wall and kind of have to to restart, uh, you should have no problem finishing <laughs> finishing the uh, gourmet race and beating King DDD. Uh, although I did probably have to try the whole thing five times because I didn't know I could run, and then. The third map of the three definitely has multiple paths that give you major disadvantages if you miss the right path to take. Yeah, it's uh, that third map is really the only thing that's challenging uh, about that. Once you figure out that Kirby can run, which took me a couple of minutes, I actually looked it up on YouTube because I was like, what am I doing? I can't... This was actually the first game I played on the collection. And similar to you, I, I got on this one. I was like, are you kidding me? Is this what this is going to be? Is it going to be like eight games of this quality where you're just these tiny mini games where Kirby's just doing stupid stuff? And I even once I figured out that I could run and I could beat him pretty easy, I just I didn't care for it because this isn't the Kirby experience that I want. I don't want a really bad version of Uniracers happening on screen where I'm picking up candy to, to beat King Didi or whatever his name is. I, it just, I didn't enjoy it at all. So this was definitely one of those, the games in, in the collection where I was just like, oh God, I hope this, <laughs> there isn't many more of this. Well, yeah, if you, if you pick that as your first game, uh, I, I, I don't know if I picked a better or worse game for my first game. This is not that enjoyable. It's not terrible. And it's an okay bonus game, but thinking the entire game is things like this would be disappointing. Uh, the So on that main screen, you have Spring Breeze, Dynablade, Gourmet Race we talked about, uh, the Great Cave Offensive, which I want to talk about next, after the other two are Megaton Punch and Samurai Kirby. I picked Samurai Kirby for my first game, and Samurai Kirby is essentially just hit the button as soon as it tells you to, and if you do it fast enough, you win the game. It is awful. It is it is like a, a first era 
cell phone game. Like it is, it is not enjoyable. Uh, it does have Kirby, and it's it's got Kirby in some some neat costumes, I suppose. But it is, it was, it's a pointless mini game. Uh, I don't even remember what Megaton Punch was, except it was very similar. I played both of them, finished both of them, and was like, why would anyone play this for fun? <laughs> These are At not. At least enjoyable. Megaton Punch had a little bit more to it. I mean, Samurai Kirby is literally just a WarioWare game. Like, yeah, it was just one of those games that that would come up on the screen press a button and move on to the next mini game. But but um, unlike that, punt, huh? uh, well unlike that though, like Mario Mario where that works because you do that and then you immediately yeah. go to something else and you immediately go to something else and that the idea is that is that game it's not eight mini games that you do at different levels of hardness, which is what I thought this was going to be. Because Samurai yeah, no. Kirby has like different rounds, but it's still the same thing each time. Like it mm-hmm. it shows you as Kirby and, and another whoever you're facing at the time staring at each other and all of a sudden it's like hit the button and if you hit the button fast enough you win. It's like, oh, this this game is going to be painful, and I don't want to do it. Thankfully, <laughs> I did yeah, give everything you a fair shot. Megaton punch after that, you weren't getting much more because that, all that is is just um, y- you know a power bar that you need to hit when it fills up, and then you've got to match up the um, the crosshairs when they oh, kind of go right, over yes. each other, and or, or whatever happens, and, and then whoever hits hits hard enough uh, wins, and that's that's really it. You know, I played several rounds of it, I never lost, so I, I don't know. It's like they were they're party games, but for a party of one, and that's not yeah. not a very enjoyable party. Uh, and and thankfully, I did determine that because they were kind of thrown off to the side and littler things, that maybe these weren't real games, and I should just you know do them to do them. But then go back to the bigger squares, and I'm glad I did because the next game I tried after those two was the Great Cave Offensive, and that's probably the most interesting game on this collection. This is that's a neat game. Like of all the game, yeah, of, of all of them on here, you know, you basically got four sameish Kirby adventures, but this treasure hunt thing is kind of out of nowhere, and I it's really neat. I, I ended up playing it the most. Uh, it's just a uh, it, for a Kirby game, it's really off the wall. Well, it's it takes the same level design and the same mm-hmm. abilities that Kirby has in the rest of the games, but instead of just trying to open doors, go to the new level, find a door, go to the next level, eventually find a boss. Instead, it's it's a larger map, a much larger map, but the idea is to go through all these these rooms and find secrets using your abilities uh, that you get from the characters you suck up in in kind of innovative waves in some levels to try to find 60 treasures. And if you can find all 60 treasures and finish it, you win the game. And it's very long. It's probably the longest game on this collection, but it was also the one I liked the most. There's definitely ways you can um, you can miss treasures easily. There's a lot of secrets, and there's ways you can accidentally, for example, in the in the first real section, there's a part where you're supposed to break these blocks that will cause a chain reaction in some other in, in the the levels and and open up a pathway. But one of those, if you break it open, and it's very obvious you're not supposed to break it open, it causes lava to shoot down and block your path to that treasure chest. So you have yeah. to actually think, and you have to take your time, and in in some ways, you know, find the right ab- character to get the right ability to get through those sections. It's got, um, it's got a fair number of, like, pressure plate puzzles where you have to hit pressure plates in a certain order and then get through a bunch of doorways really quick, which means you have to have the right form to do that. Uh, I mean, I, I really, really liked the Great Cave Offensive because it takes this kind of level design and makes it more of a of a thinking game, which I, I appreciated after playing, uh, well, what weren't games at all, and then later on playing the regular Kirby levels, which are fine. They're fun. But, uh, you know, 
Spring Breeze Dynablade, and then the other two levels that you can see that you can't access yet, Revenge of Mega Knight and Milky Way Wishes, are, are essentially the four games that would comprise a full Kirby game previously. And, and Great Cave Offensive and those other mini-games and that awful race uh, are the mini-game section, but the, the Great Cave Offensive I would probably play on its own. If, if that was like its own game on, on this thing, like if it was just that, I would play the hell. Like I love that game. And, you know, I'm like you, I spent the most time with it. It adds something a little bit more to just the basic Kirby formula of, you know, going across the stage, using your powers to, to blow away enemies that are in front of you and get to the boss and go on. Like this actually gives you a reason to p- uh, pick out some of the, you know, the certain enemies so you can actually use them on the bomb block so you can make chain reactions, get to different uh, treasure chests because you don't have to get the treasure chests. You can basically go through this entire thing and only get a few if you want to. But the the challenge is seeing how many you can actually get. And it's it's kind of refreshing. Like it's it's just letting you do what letting you figure it out on your own uh, at your own pace. And I I, I wish they had done more with this in the future in future Kirby games. And maybe they did, because to be honest, it's the only one I've really played. So perhaps every other Kirby game really does that here and there. But yeah. (laughs) Uh, so, so the Great Cave Offensive is probably my favorite game on here. The the two games that you unlock after you beat the earlier levels, uh, Revenge of Mega Knight is definitely harder than Dynablade and Spring Breeze. It is attacking an airship with that same kind of level design. Uh, what I liked about about Mega Knight is it felt like it had more of a flow to the story. It actually had like you have to go to certain parts of the ship to destroy it. I mean, you don't have any control over that, but at least I felt like I understood why I was going between all these doorways and maps. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, character text and everything in this, like a lot of story uh, that kind of takes place. So that one, it's it's got its own kind of unique feel to it as far as like especially how it looks. You know, the uh, the airship itself is, is, you know, super it's made out of metal. Everything's a little it's not your typical super colorful Kirby game. So it definitely looks and and feels a lot more a lot different than, than the other ones. And because you're on an airship, there's definitely more platforming uh, in some of the yeah. later parts of it. Uh, again, since Kirby can fly, it's not the most exciting platforming. But if you are doing that, one, it means you are probably base Kirby and not a, an outfit. And also, it, it's kind of hard to move around, so you're going to take more damage. And, and Kirby doesn't have an incredibly strong life bar in any format. So you do need to make sure you're continuously eating uh, fruit items and, and getting these transformations to get through the level. So yeah, Revenge of Mega Knight was really good. I did finish that. I finished Spring Berets, Dynablade, and and Mega Knight, and then of course the Rays and the, the other ones. I actually did not... That one actually has, uh, before we move on, that one actually does have a, a countdown timer on it as well. Yes. So it makes it a little bit, if, if the countdown timer reaches zero, then you actually start taking hits or draining health. So that, it, it, you know, it kind of makes you move a little bit faster than what you normally would with your you know just kind of going about your thing so there's there's a little bit more it's a little bit more hectic than than your standard kirby game which i still didn't i I never ran out of time i mean there were times i came close i suppose but i didn't run out at all um i I finished that and i actually didn't finish the full great cave offensive because i was uh determined to get all the treasures on my first playthrough (laughs) so because i didn't finish that it didn't unlock the last game uh, that you can see, which is Milky Way Wishes. Did you get to to play any of that one? Uh, yes, uh, I I got all the way. I actually just kind of made my made my uh, self get through the the treasure hunt one just so I could get that unlocked. But it's it's a, another 
standard Kirby game. It's definitely harder. I, I don't think it's as I, I wouldn't say it's as hard as the airship one, but it's it's more challenging throughout. Um, this one actually has a, a map screen that you can select your own level. You're basically out in space, so you can go to different planets. It's the tiniest map screen in the world. <laughs> like everything on there is so just micro sized. It's it's like couldn't you have not made these a little bit bigger? It's it's kind of funny just to sit there and watch Kirby, th- this tiny tiny Kirby, fly around in space. But besides that, uh, there's really not much to it besides one of the last bosses, and it kind of almost made it worth it to get all the way through this because, and, and I'm going to spoil it, you know, it's 20 years or more, way older than that. Um, one of the, I think it's the boss right before the last is basically an RPG battle. It, it kind of comes up with the old school, like, um, you know, enemy window and, and the, you're fighting a wizard or whatever and like the hit points and all that stuff. And you're sitting there hitting him, you know, and, and you're doing damage to him. But then when he attacks, you know, it's it says how much damage he did to you. And you fight through like three of them. And it's actually really neat. It kind of caught me off guard. It's like, this is like the best boss in the game. Like <laughs> This is just completely out of nowhere. It, it made no sense. But it, it was fun and it made it worth getting through that. Which also, you know, even though I say it's harder than than some of the other ones, it still wasn't very hard. Yeah, I, I watched uh, just to see the rest of the game and also to make sure there was nothing else hidden, uh, just to see that. So I did see that combat. That's pretty cool. Now, when you finished that, did you unlock the hidden ninth level? The uh, the boss rush? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You, you if you can. So on every game, when you complete it, uh, you have a percentage complete that it shows you on your main save file. And if you just rush through all these games, you don't do many transformations, you won't get a high percentage. The 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 key to this is not just getting through the levels. Um, on all the regular levels, it's getting uh, everything to be transformed at least once that's available to you in the game. And also on the Great Cave Offensive, getting as many treasures as possible. Uh, if you can get, a, I think it's 95% or, or 96% of your total completion after you finish Milky Way Wishes, you'll unlock the arena, which is uh, just a, a big boss rush. Um, I mean, it has some some ways to stop in the middle of the boss rush and get new abilities and, uh, and not new, you know, not new, but change who you are or whatever uh, which is kind of nice but yeah it's a boss rush so I, I didn't miss that i didn't play that uh even no it's it's not anything i i really didn't think i did that much to to make it unlock but I, I guess i managed to but yeah it was it's i i was kind of excited i was like oh man what what's this but boss rush yeah because it's got to be in every every super nintendo game yeah you can't have a, a super nintendo <laughs> platformer game without a boss rush i wasn't surprised to see it but at first i thought arena oh it's gonna be like two player fighting each other as the other characters or something but no it's it's just a boss rush with a pretty name uh so as a whole this is a surprising uh, you know one that i i didn't think i would enjoy just because the little bit of kirby i played before this i, I wasn't a massive fan of but i have to actually say i think Kirby does a lot, a, a, a fair amount for a, like a 16-bit action hero. He's he's got a lot of moves, a lot of options, uh, and that block is actually super useful. I didn't realize it. It totally stops all damage, all damage completely. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a reason why people love Kirby. I, the, the games may not be the hardest, but like I said before, they're really entertaining. And I this is I think we've talked about it before in the past, like seeing these games that we didn't give a chance back in the day playing it now i'm just like man this would have been really fun like i would have had a ton of fun playing this in co-op with my cousin you know this was it was 
it's a really high quality game. It gives you more than enough, which I was afraid of back in the day of just getting a bunch of mini games. But there's more than enough content in here to probably go past like two regular Kirby games. So you're you're definitely getting your money's worth here, and it's just a, it's just a really fun game. I'm glad they put it on the NES Classic or Super NES Classic, or I probably wouldn't even have tried this and, and never tried Kirby. So now I want to go back and try some of the uh, the other Kirby games. There's a new one for the, the Switch that might even be out by the time this posts, uh, but there's a, a new Kirby coming out for the Switch very soon. So, you know, maybe the eventually when I get that Switch in 2020, I'll, I'll give it a <laughs> shot. So we brought up at the beginning of the episode that uh, Jeremy's been playing ukulele, and I, I played a little bit of Mighty Number no. 9, and I think they're very similar in uh, in how we feel about them, although maybe Jeremy's changed his mind a little more than he, uh, he did when we first talked about it. But uh, ukulele, if, if no one remembers, is the spiritual sequel to Banjo-Kazooie. And it, it's the, the original development team, I believe, or at least original mm-hmm. designers. Uh, and it looks a lot like that. It looks like it was, you know, instead of Banjo and Kazooie, it's, it's Yuka and Laylee. And, uh, and it looked like it was going to be exactly what everyone wanted since there hasn't been a new Banjo Kazooie since that vehicle game that most people may not have liked, although I did. What are your thoughts now? So, yeah, I, I was really looking forward to this. Uh, this was the basically the the sequel to banjo kazooie one of my favorite games ever and i am the biggest apologist for old crappy 3d platformers you could possibly get i wasn't even wanting a new modern take on banjo or any i just i just wanted a new one and that was what was promised so i kind of stayed away from it i didn't want to pay 40 bucks for it even though it was maybe something i'd really like and so i got it for 11 bucks tried it played it for like two hours can't stand it cannot stand it i literally cannot even play it um this is actually the first game that i i cannot play because it's it's i just can't deal with with how bad the camera is but first off i'll i'm trying to make this as quick as possible but there are three things you need in a decent 3d platformer i'm not even talking about a newer one i'm talking about an old nintendo 64 style 3d platformer uh one you need decent stages I mean, you, you want to explore it. It needs to be a place that's fun to to explore and find all this crap that you're collecting. And I can even deal with some mostly boring stages if the other two things work. Uh, the other is uh, physics. Your character needs to have decent physics because otherwise, you know, you're just kind of falling off platforms. You don't know where the hell you're jumping. It can be a mess. Like old Banjo, he was a bear. He was heavy. When you press the button, he kind of jumped slow. Because he was a bear, you expected him to kind of be slow and heavy. Um, Ukulele does not have any physics whatsoever. (laughs) It it does, but it just feels so weird. Um, Yuka, as a lizard, when you press the button, there's a delay to it. But he's not heavy in the air. He doesn't stay in the air very long. He just kind of flips around a lot, and it's like there's no actual gravity to it. It just feels weird. Maybe eventually I could have gotten used to it. But that comes to the third thing that you need, and that's a camera. And I I think we all know how bad old cameras from 3D platformers back in the day were. They were terrible. And ukulele is just as bad. So why doesn't it work? Well... Banjo's levels were made out of like 10 total polygons. I mean, they were just these big, giant, flat areas. And unless you got into a certain spot, the camera didn't really have too much to run into. Ukulele's levels are much more detailed. They're not very exciting, 
but they're they're they got a lot more geometry to them. And this camera is essentially just hitting everything. It is bouncing off these shrubs, grass, you know, rocks, outcrops, literally anything that it comes into contact with, it's hitting it. And that's the point where I couldn't play it anymore because the camera was just being so crazy. And there's another option that they put in, I think, with a patch where you can manually control the camera. And that works a little bit better, but you have to babysit it so much that it got to the point where it was not fun. And I just, I, I could not get past it. The base of the game is literally Banjo-Kazooie. Like, it it sounds like Banjo-Kazooie. All the characters seem like they're they're out of a, a Banjo-Kazooie sequel. They sound like it. You know, they do the kind of Banjo talk shit. It, it is a Banjo-Kazooie game, but it just doesn't work. It, it's too flawed on on just the principal levels of, of what you need out of a, a 3D platformer that it, I just can't, I can't do it. And the camera made me sick, so I had to stop playing it. And it just kills me because I want to love this game. It, I, I think you kind of maybe had the same thing with uh, with the game you were playing. Yeah, Muddy Number Nine tries so hard to scratch the Mega Man itch. It it's in many ways it does. So when you first start the game, it feels very much like a Mega Man game, and it looks a lot like the um, Mega Man powered up. PSP release uh, of, of the remake of, of Mega Man 1. It looks a lot more cartoony. It, you know, the, the main character, who's might as well just be called not Mega Man, uh, it is, is fine. He does all the same things Mega Man does. And you can see that you get to pick the levels you want to go in order, and, and it's going to give you new power-ups, and you're like, this is going to be it. The, there's a, much like how there's, there's several flaws uh, in, in ukulele that made it unenjoyable, uh, this has similar issues. The, the biggest one is that the levels are huge. And it's kind of a fault. Mega Man works because the levels, while they're very, very difficult, are really not that long in, in most mm-hmm. of the classic Mega Mans. Um, did you ever play uh, the, the game they kind of put out at the, at the interim uh, was Gunvolt? Mighty Gunvolt yes. or whatever? Yeah. So uh, I like Gunvolt. I think it's very good. Gunvolt's fun. But, but Gunvolt never said, hey, I'm Mega Man. Instead, it took... The, the idea of the way that Mega Man's are set up and and then ran with it in another direction. It kind of feels like like a, a more grown-up Mega Man. Uh, not as hard by any means, but the levels are longer and it's got more of a dark feel to it. This has that kind of level design, but then you're playing as Mega Man, so you don't have all the extra abilities and things that Gunvolt had, and it makes the levels extremely long, um, and they're... They're not designed incredibly well from what I've played. And again, I, I made it about two hours in and was like, I, I think this game is not going to let me finish it just because I don't feel like playing it. it it's been a while since I've, I've bought like a, a game that I literally, like, I feel like I have to force myself to play it all. Like, I've definitely got games like that, but I just don't buy them anymore. Uh, I only buy things that I think I'm really going to like. This was, it was free, and I didn't buy it on purpose because I heard this was a problem, but the levels are huge and they don't have that many enemies. And the, the, the biggest mistake this game makes is, in trying to differentiate in this game from Mega Man, Beck, your main character, doesn't just shoot enemies and destroy them. Instead, you shoot enemies till they kind of get stunned for a second, and then you use this charge attack to absorb them. And as you absorb enemies, you get new attacks, uh, you get powered up somewhat, it, it may, and it gives you points. I mean, the whole point is to chain these things together. 
but it's like it's like they tried really hard to find something that would make it so like oh well, Mega Man doesn't do this. Look what this guy does. He absorbs enemies. He doesn't just shoot them. And the the end result when you're playing it is not fun. The 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 ability to to suck people up seems like it's a good idea. I mean Kirby did it and it worked great. But but in this case it's like you're forced to chain them together almost for a score. And in a lot of ways because you're still dealing with Mega Man style platforming levels where if you fall once you die horribly and there's a lot of cheap jumps. When you absorb people, the only way to do it is to charge at them. So if you're jumping around through a level with platforms and you're also trying to suck up these enemies, it means you fall a lot uh, to one kill deaths. And when you lose, you know, in Mega Man style, you lose enough lives. Oh, well, look at that. Too bad. You get to restart that whole level from the very beginning. And the levels are so long. Uh, it, it is just not... It's not fun. And, and I... On paper, I couldn't piece together why this game isn't that fun, because it should be fun. It's designed like Mega Man. It feels like Mega Man. But just not not nearly as well designed. And, and it, it is not, not a terrible game, by any means. And, and I don't want to say if it was something else completely, like if it like Gunvolt I brought up. You know, Gunvolt kind of has the same issues that this has, but for some reason, the way Gunvolt's put together, it seems more interesting, and I enjoyed it more. I, I wanted to get through the game. This just feels like, yeah, it's kind of a pretty half-assed Mega Man. Don't really want to finish it. <laughs> and, and I don't See, I, I, the When they introdu- introduced that, um, the chain ability, that was the instant that that kind of turned me off to that game. Like, I would play it all the way through, probably, if it was just a kind of a half-assed Mega Man clone, which it already seems to be, but putting in that chaining ability. And I, I'm guessing that you kind of have to do that, right? That isn't just optional. At least early on, you don't have to do it. But if you don't do it, it takes a lot longer to kill things. Because, for example, the regular guys you'll run into in, in most of their levels, you hit them once or twice, they turn blue, and you can suck them up. Uh, and you know, dive into them and absorb their power. If not, you have to shoot them five or six times. So you're cutting down the number of times you have to shoot them significantly less. And a lot mm. of the time they do chain in such a way that you'll move quickly across the level while you absorb people. But it also means that if you mess one of those up, if you miss a chain combination, it it might be to your detriment. And then it becomes kind of an endurance run to see how many times you're willing to try this over and over again to get it right. Yeah, and see, I I just I really can't stand that that min max style gameplay of you know either you, you do this and you do it right and you can you know it's easier, uh, or you don't do it and you're just you know you're suffering all the way through, and it, it kind of seemed like that's that's the way that game was was built was like you you really needed to do this chain reaction thing which doesn't look that fun even when you're doing it well from what I've seen I mean I may be wrong like you know you could get on like a a nice run and do a bunch of chains and it's really you know it feels great but i was just looking at i was like man that just doesn't look very fun and, and if that's what the game's built around if that's the game's gimmick then you i i don't know no it that's kind of what it feels like it feels like you're like yeah I, I should like this mechanic but i don't and unfortunately that means i'm not going to enjoy this game uh, I, I have not totally given up on it. I, I'm willing to try it a few more times. I mean, the the benefit of it being the the style of game that it is is if I forget how much I dislike this mechanic, I can play it for a level and great. You know, five <laughs> minutes later I'll turn it off. Uh, but I'll at least try all the other levels that I didn't bother trying. Uh, but it's definitely, you know, it, it's definitely a disappointing game. I don't think it's the case where if it was called something else it would be great because it's already not called Mega Man. But... Uh, it just feels a lot like we wanted to be Mega Man. Here's some new advanced thing Mega Man didn't do. 
sorry it's not fun. Uh, the other thing is, uh, unlike Mega, unlike all the other Mega Man in the main series, Mega Men, I don't know, uh, except for eight, uh, there wasn't a lot of talking in Mega Man. There, there's story elements, but they're always very basic. Uh, this game has a ton of talking, a lot, and it interrupts the level. There's parts where you can't move while it's doing its little story, uh, and and at least the introduction level feels like it's half talk and half action, and that is unbearable in a game where I'm like, I just want to get to running and jumping and hard levels and you know, I, I like Mega Man. I want to get to that that feel and it took too long to get to where you can select your level. Uh, and even then there's still talking parts that I was like, this is unnecessary. Um, I, I don't know. It's just not that good. Sounds like ULA is the same. Uh, sometimes it's nice to just pick up the originals and uh, and, and play them again. Conveniently, yes. those Mega Man collections say, coming like, to is Switch. It, is, can we just not go back? Can I... <laughs> Can no one make like a decent clone of you know these older games that we love? It's it's kind of crazy. Like it should just the original team did ukulele. They should have been on this. And like I said, I wasn't even wanting a modern take on it. I just wanted shitty old 3D platforming, and I, I couldn't even get that. So I mean, you couldn't even get old Mega Man gameplay. Even if it even if it would have been half-assed, it would have probably be, been more fun being that than just you know what it is right now so i i don't know man these these kickstarter projects these retro kickstarter projects i between ukulele and mighty number no. nine kind of turned me off i'm i'm really looking still looking forward to um the, the castlevania knockoff that's coming out forget the name of it but i mean that looks pretty good but man if that one turns out that's just gonna that's gonna break my heart well we'll always have shenmue three which will be yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when that comes out in like 2022 at some point. Well, I think both of these are kind of examples that, that it's not just that they're new versions of things you already enjoy. It's that it's the original team. I think you that we both expected more from this yeah, than what yeah, it is. It, Cause it, I mean, it, it comes with that pedigree of, you know, even if you guys haven't designed a new game since 1997, like, just do that. And it's like ukulele comes so close, but those core mechanics just don't work in in whatever they've made. It, it's like they're trying to make something new, but with the mechanics of everything that's old, and that doesn't really work. Like if you want to make something old, then make it old. Make it look you know gross and and chunky with all those crappy polygons and stuff like that, to where the camera actually works. Or you know, make a heavy character because everything was moving so slow back on the Nintendo 64. That's just how it felt. You know, you've got all this modern equipment and everything like that, but you can't just bring, as far as like a 3D platformer, bring those things into a modern shell and have it work. It, it just doesn't work. And, and and it's hard to explain why it doesn't because, again, you'd think with those people on it, with that pedigree, it really should. Uh, that's why a lot of those indie games that kind of build off of the feel, you know, the, the, the kind of games we remember liking are so good because they, you don't expect much from it, but also they aren't stuck in, here's the thing we did, we have to somehow differentiate from what we're used to do. They're, they're just trying mm. to make their own thing, and, and maybe it feeds off those ideas. Maybe it's a blatant copy, but sometimes that's okay, too. Well, it's like Axiom Verge, probably like the best Metroidvania that's been released in a long time. And, and that's not, that's just trying to be Metroid. That's it's literally all it's trying to be. It's got its kind of little gimmicks here and there, but it's just trying to be Metroid, and it's so good. Like that's that's all you need to be. Just be the thing that that's inspiring you. Maybe you know have your own setting and all that stuff, but you, you don't really need to add things on just to add it in. 
Yeah, you, you don't need to, to rebuild the wheel. The, the wheel worked yeah. just fine. In, in Mega Man's case, you made 10 versions of that wheel, and it was great. Why would you go drastically different with this? Why would you add some new thing on the wheel? It's round, and it moves. Keep that yeah. going. If you want to make something better than, than, what was, than what we had back then, pick a game that needed something better, like Zelda 2. Make a good Zelda 2, someone, please. I, w- I will take that any day. But, you know, as it stands, we, it's, people, you either get direct copies or you get these weird kind of, you know, these things that are trying to be what they were, but, but they're just adding too much onto it and, and it just doesn't work out. Well, our next episode, we're going to take on a game that probably meets neither of those criteria. I don't know if I could say that it did anything extremely well or, or is something that should be remade even with enhancements. Silent Debuggers. For the TurboGrafx-16, the game we talked about last episode will be covered next time when Billy gets back. But until then, please find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, all at Retrovania.net. And we'll see you next time.